Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. The kids are more than all right. They're World Cup winners. Their talent is obvious. Unfortunately, so is their problem. Will they get the chance to play in the Premier League? That's the billion-pound question, isn't it, Tony? Well, yeah, and it's, uh, this will be uh, the main the part of the career is when they need to develop. They need to play against men. And if you're playing for a lot of Premier League clubs like Chelsea, who win the FA Youth Cup virtually every year, then you're not going to get in the team. I mean, luckily, there's a core of them from Everton who should see some playing time. So they should develop. Um, I'd expect the Liverpool players in the squad to, to see some action. But, you know, it's uh, if, if you're in, other than that, if you're in the Premier League top six and in the squads, you might struggle. You might have to move on. You can understand it, I suppose, can't you? Managers now, it's such a short-term profession. But why take the what they would see almost as an unnecessary risk in promoting a young player, go and buy someone off the shelf? Yeah, of course you can. I mean, you only have to look at Chelsea and, and Roman Abramovich's hire-and-fire policy over the last few years. It's brought him great results uh, in terms of title wins and, and cup competitions, and both domestically and in Europe. But... If you know the risk involved with not winning a competition for a couple of years, why would you uh, mm. blood these young lads? Now, I think Antonio Conte, to be fair, has given uh, a lot of chance to England under-21s players this year. Uh, Nathaniel Chaloba and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek got a little bit of a, a look in as well. So there's the odd opportunity there. But interestingly, I was, I was speaking to Stan Collymore earlier who um, uh, for his Daily Mirror column tomorrow and I was written about this and, and he was talking about the fact that uh, 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago I think it was, he dropped down from uh, two years at Crystal Palace, went off to Southend and how much he learned from playing mm. in Division 1 as it mm. was then which is the Championship now and uh, he, he also referred to Kyle Walker who when he joined Tottenham actually went off to play with uh, Villa uh, QPR, Sheffield United, he went back on loan to and it didn't hinder him at all so rather than just playing for Premier League clubs on loan bottom end of the Premier League it probably wouldn't hurt these lads to go out and play for a good championship club with good facilities good training ground and there are plenty of them now as well Was well, Harry Kane's development absolutely yeah. went, yeah. went off to Millwall so it, you know just for these lads now on the back on, to use mm. this uh, this superb result, uh, you know, it's a real triumph for uh, junior football and everything that's being done in clubs' academies and at St George's Park, for them to now build on it and maybe go and get 30 games uh, mm. rather than just a couple of games here and there in, in cup competitions could be vitally important. Mm. What struck me very much watching them was the, the sense of adventure and 
you know, we talked about the fear factor so much in, in junior football and senior football. You know, they were winning in a World Cup final, entering added time, and they didn't do it once but twice. They had 50-yard attempts to lob a goalkeeper. Yeah. Now, the coaches would have been going mental about that because it's not the way you play. It's not how you manage a game. But it, you, you shouldn't really kill that, should you? No, there was a sense of adventure about them that was great. Because in the academies over the last five five years, you know, eight years, they produced a lot of, like, really neat footballers who play the ball sideways. It's robotic, isn't playing it? safe. Really robotic. And these boys weren't playing safe. You know, they were, they were trying to win a football it's game. It's a bit like watching Josh Butler go out to bat, wasn't it? And, yeah. you know, the yeah. excitement that comes with that yeah. and the, these uh, the sort of, the, you know, when he's playing the shots yeah. that he's just completely... They're, they're not out of the textbook. And it, it was lovely to see the young lads yeah. doing that. And also also lovely to see in the semi-final the fact that they can go a goal down in such an important game, but they've got mm. the mentality to, to come back and, and not just win it, but win it comfortably well, as well. Oh, that's the thing as well. You know, there's this whole, you know, the England shirt weighs heavy on them. They didn't look like that. They looked like a, a bunch of kids enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. Everton, you, you mentioned them. Mm. They provided, you know, four or five of that squad. Mm. I was hugely impressed by Adam O'Reilly-Lookman. He does look, a, he looks a fair player and probably will get a lot of game time. What about John Joe Kenny? If you're Coleman, would you play him at right back while Seamus Coleman is coming back? Yeah, definitely would. You know, I think he's got loads of potential. You know, he comes from a family where you know sort of produced a lot of good players. You know, he, he knows where he's doing, and you know, and what David Unsworth done with the you know the Everton youth system is, is absolutely brilliant. I mean, they've, they've been good, and you've got to give Martinez some credit there as well. I'm very reluctant to do that, <laughs> but you know, it's um, but what, during this term there, he put a lot of emphasis on it. So yeah, I mean, and I, I think Everton have a real chance for these kids to thrive because they haven't quite got the resources that you know even across the park to Liverpool they'll get playing time and you know I think uh, you look at, at Tom Davis the impact he had mm. last season after, mm. they were, yeah. after they tried to shift him out to loan in, in, in December and you know and he, he has a huge impact and I think uh, they, they can feel good even if Lukaku goes they've got a bunch of kids coming through that have just great prospects If mm. I can pick up on Luckman as well Mike I mean we, we did a piece with him uh, he was put up to speak to the Sunday papers uh, as we're previewing the, uh, the final uh, this weekend and uh, you know, this is a lad who was still playing Sunday morning football with his mates in London at 16 years old. Now, it's yet another advert for what we were just talking about, about letting people get game time, letting them enjoy it, letting them go off and mm-hmm. learn the trade. And, of course, it wasn't until slightly later that he was picked up by Charlton and then, of course, given his chance by Everton. And he's, he's seized it because, again, it's, it mm. goes back to that not playing with, with any fear. And, you know, I, I would love to see... Lots of young lads take that, you know, not just when the the big clubs come calling for, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14. I realise there are great opportunities there and, you know, the the sort of the head, the the lights and camera action of going to join a a huge Mm. club must be very appealing. But, you know, if you can just keep yourself grounded and focused and get in playing week after week, day after day, that's where you're really going to improve. Well, I mean, that's the thing that, in many ways, agents and families need to realise. Don't think about the quick hit, you know, the, the big club. Think about the, the development and the playing time. Because, you know, you might go to a big club, but if you don't play between 18 and 21, you're going to struggle. You, you've seen lots of players have dropped down the division. And when they're playing with men, they can't deal with it. Mm. You've got to, during those formative years, you've got to be playing against proper professionals. Mm. And that's where you learn the tricks, where you get your experience and... And you'll grow. Anyone else particularly impress you? Um, Tom, I I looked at the captain, um, Lewis Cook. He he made his breakthrough at at Leeds, went to Bournemouth, Mm. four or five games for them this season. 
he's someone who could well kick on next year, especially it, under Eddie Howe. He could, yeah. And, and I was just going to—that's the point I was going to make. Actually, he's, he's really in the right place. He's with a manager who will give uh, youth a chance. And you know, the fact that Jack Wilshire hasn't worked out for them—that uh, that gives him probably a little bit of license in midfield to, to be blooded a little bit better again next year. But Eddie Howe might even look at it and say, "Well, we gave him a few opportunities this year, but I can't give him." You know the game after game after game. So maybe uh, he is an absolute prime example of somebody who who should go out on loan. I thought uh, Calvert Lewin as well. Uh, very impressed with him. And uh, Solanke. You know we've heard a lot about him when you talk to people in and around Chelsea. Uh, there was the odd suggestion that his attitude hasn't always been been right as he's been coming through the ranks. Sometimes I think Jose Mourinho felt that he probably thought he should be getting more of an opportunity than uh, the job he was doing warranted. Um, but I, I'm quite impressed by the fact that he has now said, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere and it's not exactly a, too big a drop down, is it? Or a drop down <laughs> at all to go to Liverpool and he'll be uh, very well remunerated going there. But I, I still think, you know, it again goes back to this idea that looking for doors to open and, and, and making doors open for them rather than just, you know, hoping that one day someone on the other side... Because there was, a, there was a, a hint that, that Solanke was, was pretty much ostracised at Chelsea in this last season. And it was very interesting that Gareth Southgate, when he was commenting on the under-20s, talked about their mental resilience. Mm. He'll need that at Liverpool, won't he? Because he's now in the big time and has to produce. Now, it's all very well saying costing two to three million pounds, he's going to be a snip. He's got to go out and prove that. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, the interesting thing is, when Mourinho's first year, when he come come, uh, come over, he, he, you know, he, he was keen to make a big thing about the kids. And he talks about Solanke, you know, again, uh, Loftus-Cheek, and talks and said, you know, these, you know, in three years... These will be Premier League regulars. Well, that was never going to happen under him. No. Uh, but you know, the, the, he knew he wouldn't be there after three well, years. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, it is it is a great move. But he will be under pressure, and he's, he'll probably be higher up the pecking order than perhaps he should be at his age, mm. given uh, the the problems that. Liverpool have up front, you know, Sturridge never being fit. Uh, it means he'll probably he'll probably play a lot of games this season, mm. and. You know, he, he does need to hit the ground running because there's a lot of pressure and a lot of scrutiny there when he plays for Liverpool. Is Liverpool an easy club to play for? I don't think so. I think um, I think there's a huge expectation there for for everyone. You know, sort of from top to bottom, and sometimes it's a it, it's an over expectation, an irrational one, mm. and. Um, I don't think he's going to get a chance to feel his way into the part at Anfield. You know, he's going to be in at the deep ends. And, there will, of course, there'll be, there'll be people, if he has three or four games, you know, a run where he doesn't play well, he doesn't score, they'll be saying, you know, this is, this is indicative of Liverpool on a cheap super, uh, transfer market, picking up people cheap when they should have gone for big, big names and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Madness, because uh, Liverpool have uh, made a real coup in getting them. Right. One thing they haven't made a coup of is trying to get Virgil van Dijk. Fiasco, in one word. What's your view of that, Tom? Well, first of all, let's not be naive and pretend that this doesn't go on in at least 95% of the transfers that are out there. I think that the problem was... Um, there was a story appeared in uh, the Sunday People on the Sunday, of course, and it was saying that Manchester City uh, looked like Virgil van Dijk was done. He, he was on his way there. Two days later, you get every single daily newspaper drop with a story saying, no, it's a done deal to Liverpool. Mm. And, of course, alarm bells are ringing because from wherever it's come from, there has been a briefing there to say, this is this is the situation, we're confident of getting him and let's try and close down whatever uh, Manchester City thinks. So 
that was the only mistake they made, which is unfortunate because, you know, wherever in the club it came from or whether it leaked out, unfortunately, to somebody close to the club who then passed it on, it, as journalists, we love that kind of thing. That is, you know, it's an absolute, it's, it's gold dust for us and it? it's a back page story and, and, a, and a good page inside. But the problem that Liverpool have got now is, is that, of course, Southampton have then got a totally legitimate way of going to the Premier League and complaining. I still don't think it's dead in the water in terms of that deal because I think Liverpool have put their hands up now, they've apologised for it, they've said they're not going to sign the player. But it'll just cost them another ten million. Quid. That, well, that's in the meantime. While mm. Southampton are discussing with the Premier League, the Premier League say, "Look, do you want to take this further?" And Southampton might say, "Well, actually, okay, we'll back down." Then you might get mm. in a couple of months' time when everything's calmed down, Liverpool going back through the front door mm. and, and trying to get it done. But um, it also, I, I could still see him going to either uh, City or Chelsea now. Yeah. So I think it, City will throw so much does, money at it. It does beg the question, Tom. What is the point of this tapping up rule? Everyone it's pointless. It. It, it, mm. There is no point to it. it I mean, and, uh, any any job, any company, and particularly in the Premier League, uh, but Championship clubs as well. But any company in any sort of business, you wouldn't get rid of somebody in an ideal world without having a replacement to come in. You wouldn't. You know, you have to ask these questions, and it goes on in every line of work. So I don't see why football thinks it should be any different. But there's almost an unwritten code, though, isn't there? Where, you know, everyone knows it goes on, everyone does it, but you do things in a certain way. And certainly it looks as if it was briefed way too hard, too early, so that, you know, Southampton began to look embarrassed. You know, hang on, no-one's spoken to us. Mm. And um, it, it's, you know, Liverpool's transfer policy over the last few years has been a time shambolic. And I think this is another uh, example of it. And um, I'm no fan of Michael Edwards, the sporting director. Um, He's very stats-based, isn't he? Very, very stats-based. Um, and I, I just think it, it, it's an act of madness to... Basically, someone's told the world that this is done before they've told Southampton. <laughs> and it's just it's rude. Well, what I would say, though, is if, if I'm in charge at Southampton, whether mm. you're... Kruger or Reed or whoever's pulling the shots there or even Lieber right at the yeah. very top. If you don't think that clubs are going to come for Virgil van Dijk this summer when it's been written time after oh, time yeah, after yeah. time for months on end and you haven't picked up the phone yourself and started asking players mm. if they'd be interested, whether you've picked up the phone to an agent and asked him to contact another agent who in turn can contact the player or got one of your players to say, oh, you know your mates from the 21s or your mm. mate who used to play with their... Can you give him a quick call and just see? Drop him a text. Oh, yeah, see yeah. if he's, if mm. Southampton themselves haven't done that, then oh, they're, they're definitely doing. Of course, but, but, but as I say, there is there is an unwritten code, and and Liverpool have overstepped the mark. And 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 one of the the, the problems with it here is that Fenway Sports Group, after they come in, have tried to create this idea that Liverpool are whiter than white. Liverpool yeah. do things differently. You know, it's a, we're not like the other clubs. <laughs> they don't make bids of forty million and a yeah. pound. Do they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it's. Um, I mean, I'd ask a couple of other questions about Van Dijk as well. Sixty million for a centre half. Well, he better be Beckenbauer, or at least Alan Hansen. You know, mm. it's. Um, or just better than John Stones. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, but and and you know, and, and the money they're paying him, and everyone's saying, you know, he's central to Klopp's plans going forwards. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit. It bothers me a little bit when a centre-half central to your plans, building around the central centre-half, yeah, you need them. But surely you build around great midfield players or 30-goal-a-season strikers, you know. Mm. It might be me. 
But he's fashionable, isn't he? He's very fashionable. He's the name that everyone's talking about. And to take your Southampton point, you know, they must dread picking up the papers now because you've got Ryan Bertrand. I don't know, they seem to make a fair amount of money on every well, transfer yeah, they go through. But you look at Ryan Bertrand, right? Now, yeah. because Manchester City apparently are balking at paying £40 million for Benjamin Mendy, oh, we'll have him. He's straight off the shelf, England International. Southampton will sell him for 20 £25 million, whatever it is. Southampton are losing all their players. At what point do they lose their credibility as a football club? I don't. I think it's still some way off. I mean, I think Southampton know where they are in the the football pecking order. Um, you know, this is a club who not so long ago were in the third tier of English football, and if you'd said to them back then, within ten, fifteen years, you'll be a regular side in the Premier League, finishing seventh and eighth, uh, season in, season out, and the big clubs will be coming. Well, particularly one big club in particular <laughs> will be coming year after year to to beat down a, a path for your players, and and they'll be paying crazy sums of money for them I, I think they'd take that and I, I think I, I don't think if you if you sat down privately and spoke to anyone in, in a senior role at Southampton they would pretend to be too outraged mm. if Manchester City Chelsea Manchester United come and, and get their uh, get their top talent but I think Les Reed has proved with the team he's got in place over the years that he's aware of what sort of level yeah. Southampton are at because that's why they put so much emphasis and effort into recruiting these and, uh, really good young players and bringing them through. And the other thing is, there's a thought process there. You know what? It's full backs and centre halves. They should be the cheapest and the easiest people to recruit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, you know, if, if, if you say to me, you know, um, go and find me a, a, a 30 goal a season striker. It's going to be yours. You're going to need an awful lot of money. It's, yeah. it's impossible. We're well, talking about that. You know, Manchester United are back. set to pay about £130 million for Belotti mm. and Morata. Mm. I won't ask whether they're going to get value for money because that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Because no. it's, the sums are so absurd. But will they be good signings, do you think? <sighs> I, I mean, I thought... I thought United were very incoherent last year. They had they had the best season of everyone in the end. Two trophies, Champions League, uh, three trophies. I'm joking. <laughs> That's, um, <laughs> Two and a cup. I was just about to explode. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, but they look very incoherent, and I don't see I don't see much pattern to the way uh, to the way the the, the buy-in at the moment. Um, I'm not. I'm not so sure what's in Mourinho's mind, but no doubt they're going to spend and buy at least another three players yeah. at that that sort of level. So, um, oh, I, 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 I honestly don't have a clear idea where United are going. It was impossible to have a, a clear idea last year when they brought Ibrahimovic in as well, though, wasn't it? You know, who we just didn't know. We knew he was a quality player, but we didn't know how he'd adapt at his age to the mm. Premier League. And he surprised so many people with not the not the way he went about everything, but just the number of the sheer volume and, of goals and, he scored. And he, he was great, but at least then when you looked at uh, Ibrahimovic, you could say, well, the one thing he's going to do is going to slow them down, slow the attack down, because, you know, he's, uh, mm. his movement's not great. You know, he's going to marginalise, you mm. know, the likes of Rashford's. So you kind of knew the way they were going to play into them. I, I don't have a clear vision of what United are going to do at this stage. Mm. Do you think the right decision to release Ibrahimovic, given the injury and the, the age? I, there, there are two ways of looking at it, aren't there? I mean, he, he did come in and, and, you know, do a great job last season and he was great theatre, uh, great publicity for the club, but a club that doesn't exactly need any more publicity, but he almost took that to another mm. level. So... From the one hand, you can look at it and say, well, you know, maybe they could have found a way to weigh him in while he goes through his rehab. But 
also, I mean, they played him, uh, paid him in excess of what three hundred thousand mm. uh, pounds last year. So it's not like they didn't a week. By the way. Uh, sorry, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, quite. It's not like they didn't give him, um, you know, they didn't reward him mm. well for what he did and didn't pay him the sort of money that will cover his rehab time this year as well. So, from from a sort of moralistic or ethical point of view, you might say, yeah, they could have kept him on. But from from the business sense of it, and and, and look, Zlatan's he doesn't need anyone to sugarcoat things for him, does he? He's a he's a big mm. man. And he'll he'll be he'll be okay. I'm sure. Mm. It is remarkable the Portuguese sides get a lot of money for their players. Now United have signed uh, Victor Lindelof, mm. who's a player that everyone knows his name, but they don't know too much about him. You know, coming from Benfica, do you think he's got the potential to slot in into that defence? Well, he's going to be going to be better than what Mourinho's got. You know, it's um, the, the small and then Jones. Um, you know, he, he doesn't really fancy them, and I don't blame him. Um, you know, Bali, who looks as if he could be a player, you know, needs work on his game. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I saw someone was saying to me, one of the papers there, uh, we're talking about him um, uh, as, as being a sort of more like uh, Rio Ferdinand. I think United will be very, very lucky if they've got anywhere near that good, but uh, he's likely to be better than John Stones. I mean, he's a big boy, he's strong, and he's he's quite good with the ball at his feet. Um, so, I mean, he's got the he's got the look of a defender that Mourinho likes. City are in the market for defenders and attackers and midfield players. They're in the market for anyone. Pep seems to be getting a bit hands-on with it now. He's the one personally courting Mbappe. Mm. Do you think he's got a chance of getting? He will cost a ludicrous amount of money. We're talking 120, 130 million. Well, he, w- he will. But if anyone's got a chance of getting him, it's Pep Guardiola, then, isn't it? I mean, the, the two richest clubs um, you would think when it comes down to things like this are either City or Paris Saint Germain, with uh, uh, the, the limitless troughs or bottomless troughs. Um, yes, he's got a chance. Um, I. Wonder though, with the players he's got in, whether Mbappe would look at that and say, mm. you know, a I can stay at Monaco and guaranteed to start week in week out, guaranteed Champions League football, um, World could, Cup year, World Cup year. I can go to Real Madrid, but am I going to have the same problem there as I would have at Manchester City? I could move to Arsenal, of course, not got the Champions League, mm. but I've got the uh, the Premier League, and and I, I still think that Arsenal would actually be a good move for him for for a lad of eighteen years old to go and have. Two or three years with Arsene Wenger, uh, somebody who understands the culture he's come from, um, speaks his language, can help bring him on, as, as he did with Anelka. And then, you know, Anelka went off to Real Madrid and, and he was a much better product and better artist. Anelka was a wrong, long time ago. In the last 10 years, young players have not improved under Wenger. I, don't, I see that as a big red flag. I don't know. I, 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 still, I just think it'd be a good, a good move mm-hmm. for him. I, I think Wenger's got so much to prove this year when, you well, know, yeah. uh, that necessarily hasn't had uh, in recent years. Um, I know the Arsenal fans might argue with that and say, look, we've been on his back, the pressure's been on him, but I, I think this year he's going to be in so much focus that he needs to go out and get a, a big striker like that. Mm. Still staying with City, if we could. Um, is it a, a true measure of how much money um, buys influence that Juventus, who, who, let's be fair, 10 days ago we were in the Champions League final. They, they look like they could well lose Sandro and Bonucci to City or Chelsea. That almost the great club of Italy is a feeder club to the Premier League. 
Yeah, but I mean, they deserve it on their terms. Don't they? Juventus is one of those clubs where, um, like like Milan, is if you do a deal and get a player off them, after you've shaken hands, check your fingers, because <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. They, they have a knack of selling at the right time. And certainly, um, some of Benucci's defending in the second half in the Champions League, you know, you'd think, oh, they'll ship him off to City. He'll fit in there. Um, <laughs> no, you know, he's, he's a good defender. But, um, it was against Ronaldo as well, who he's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, 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 to be honest. But... but but yeah, there is. I mean, the the all, almost all the clubs in the Premier League now can financially bully even teams like Juventus. So it's no surprise, really, that you know the, the likes of City come in. But I mean, I think if um, I, I, I think what, what what Guardiola needs to do is spend money on a, a sort of an injection of pragmatism. Really, you know, can, can they operate in you know sort of. You know, it's like a like a heart replacement, a pragmatic mm. replacement. An you know, cause, heart replacement. Yeah, because they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. actually, you know, un, until he addresses the, the problems in the centre of midfield and the centre of defence, City is still, still going to have a haphazard season. No matter, you know, even if they get Mbappe and they have a, a multitude of brilliant attacking players, because you can't win with by making the team so lopsided. Mm. You, you mentioned you about mean, Pep being yeah. hands on. I mean, I think he's got to be as well because I think like. Wenger this year, and I know Pep's not got a decade of uh, uh, limited success behind him, but he's got so much to prove at Manchester City. And, and you know, they spent big last summer. He had six, whatever people say, oh, he only came in, he had six months to prepare that mm. squad. Um, and, and with the resources that Manchester City have got, uh, the, the training facilities they can offer to players coming in, there was nothing to stop him getting the players in that he wanted last year. So he's going again this year, going big as well with the money they're spending, with the, the numbers that they're bringing in. So yeah, I can imagine that's the reason he's hands-on. I can imagine he, he, he has a free pass himself. last year. He won't get one this year. Mm. What about Joe Hart? You know, you mentioned him in passing yeah. there. Um, you know, he's saying, I haven't got a club that's interested in me. Mm. I find it difficult to believe, to be perfectly honest. Where do you think he'll end up? He'll be back in the Premier League. Um, I wonder if a club like an Everton might take him, West Ham. I mean, he'd do... Joe Hart would do a great job for any club in the Premier League, to my mind. He's still, he's still got it. You might look at maybe the top four now and say... He's got the odd free kick ricking him. Players have worked him out. Well, you were at Hamden, so you saw that. Yeah, I was. And I, you know, I, I know. I was thinking more about the Gareth Bale free kick at uh, last summer or two summers ago. Well, where are we now? Yes, last mm. summer. And um, you know, I, I was. We were watching that game in in London, and somebody. I was with somebody from uh, a football club, and they said, if this if, if this is put down low to. Uh, which I can't remember which side it was, was it his left-hand left, side, his left, yeah. uh, then he's going to be in trouble. And sure enough, mm. Gareth Bale had obviously worked that out. I actually thought with uh, Lee Griffith's free kicks uh, on, on Saturday, I wondered if people were being a little bit harsh on on Joe. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, he certainly didn't make me jump around saying he needs to be dropped and there's no wonder Pep Guardiola got rid of him because of that. But uh, I think they were just two great free kicks. But I, I, I still think he's, he's a cracking keeper and I still think he brings a hell of a lot to every Premier League side that uh, that would court him. If you were looking for a goalkeeper in the Premier League, though, would you go to Hurt or Jordan Pickford? Pickford. I'd go for Pickford any day. It'll cost you a lot more than... Everton's eight million pounds bid, which was completely derisive. Well, wasn't it? yeah, it's classic Everton, though, isn't it? You know, it's um, you know they, they they put in a bid that's way too low, and then wonder why they don't get people. I mean, he's uh, Pickford's a good young keeper, and he's mm. got the the best potential of any of them I've seen. And it, you probably have to pay him significantly less wages wise than Joe Hart, uh, but the fee would be significant. Mm. I'd probably take Butland over. Uh... Uh, over Pickford as well so whether that would open a gap 
uh, at Stoke for, for Joe Hart, you know, and of course living in Manchester wouldn't be a million miles for him to travel with it from Cheshire, I'd guess he will be based mm. down to uh, Stoke. So there, there will be options for him. I mean, you know, look, we're, we're, we've only just, we're still in this season, aren't we? So mm. uh, I think I think Joe Hart can take himself away on holiday after the France game and uh, when he comes back, he might just find his agent spoken to the right people. Mm. You mentioned Everton's sort of flimsy grasp of you know, reality in terms of financial terms. Lukaku, a hundred million pound player. Well, I wouldn't pay hundred million for him. It'd be good business sure. if they got hundred for him and Pickford yeah, yeah. for eight million. Yeah, <laughs> be, um, you know, but he scores a lot of goals, and he seems to uh, Chelsea seem extremely keen on him. Um, and obviously, with the um, with the problem between Costa and Conte. Now it looks as if it's likely to happen. I think if they get anywhere near 100 million, if they get to 80, I think Everton will bite their hands off. Mm. And what about the way that came out? We talked about tapping up earlier on. He turns up, International Week, does a press conference for the local press. Hey, presto, I know where I'm going. You know, the lack of respect for his current employers is amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, the one thing I would say about Romelu Lukaku, though, is. I would imagine he is the type of person, you know, having spoken to him a few times in mixed zones, uh, so I'm not professing to know him, but you, you get a little bit of an idea mm. of someone's character. And I think that he is the type of person who would have sat down with the club before the end of the season um, and, and told them exactly what he said. I don't think he's the type who uh, would, would go about it um, in, in a snide sort of way. He, uh, I know, particularly when he was at Chelsea, I remember doing an interview with him for the first time. We were out in Southeast Asia on one of the pre-season tours and we, you know, stood with him for quite a while, really eloquent, very well spoken, very clear about where he wanted to go with his career. Um, so I, I think I think you would see him handle everything properly um, as far as Everton are concerned. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think if if Ronald Koeman or anyone on the board were to come out at Everton and, and you know act all surprised and uh, shocked by what they'd heard, then uh, I don't think they'd be telling mm. the truth. You mentioned Costa, Tony, fifty-eight goals in one hundred and twenty games, which is some strike rate. It does seem all over there now. What do you think he gave Chelsea and what will they miss about him? Well, you give them menace, malice, uh, craftiness that not many other players in the Premier League had. Uh, I think um, he, during the, the uh, autumn and early winter, he was winning games almost single-handed, games that he would have drawn, which would, might have taken a bit of momentum out of them. I think he's, uh, I think he's a fantastic player and uh, they will probably miss him whether they'll regret it given the uh, the awkwardness of his character and the trouble he caused is is another thing altogether I think Conte just reached the end of his tether with him and uh, I think uh, basically sacking him by text message mm. is one of the classic moments in modern day football it's quite quite a feat making people feel a little bit sorry for <laughs> Diego Costa isn't it but I, I, I agree with you Tony I mean I've, I've whatever you think of him I've loved watching him oh, um, over the last three years in the Premier League he's been there's been thick Theatre, but he's also the leadership that he's brought yeah. to Chelsea as well. Like you say, those games that uh, they won one nil. I think there were three of them um, on, on, yeah, on that that run of thirteen games. There were certainly a couple in there where he single-handedly yeah. dragged them through it, one nil wins. And uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to miss him greatly. And I don't think. Uh, that Lukaku is is a ready-made replacement for him. Yeah, I think he he might be in uh, in two or three years, but certainly for now, I think they're they're dropping down in mm. uh, the the standard and the level of centre forward. If if that is indeed the uh, replacement who's brought him, mm. you get a, a flavour of a player being perfectly suited to a football club. 
What about Mares? I think he's perfectly suited to Arsenal in their current guise. Mm, lightweight disappears when the goal gets tough. Yeah, yeah, it works for me. <laughs> no, he's, he's a great player. Uh, on form, you know, he's, he's uh, he'll cause havoc. Uh, he'd give Arsenal the bit of width that they've um, they've got from the fullbacks, and they'll probably lose when if Bellerin goes. Uh, I, I think he's he's direct, um, and as I mean, Sanchez. Would, would certainly have to, if he stays, would have to play inside, and that'd be a good thing. Uh, I think he'd probably be more effective than Ezel for Arsenal. So, mm. so yeah, I think it's a, quite a good match. I, I, I wouldn't go near him if I was Arsene Wenger. I think you, you need characters this year in that size, mm. and I would be appalled by what he did for Leicester City this year, I thought. Or what he didn't do, more to the point. Absolutely. You know, a year ago, uh, he, he, we got to the end of the season, he was getting accolades as Player of the Year. He, he was unbelievable in, in that fairy tale season. This year, just completely down tools. Now, for him to come out at the end of the season and say, we had an agreement at the end of last year that I could go somewhere, mm-hmm. that agreement is put in place. It's a, you give me one more season like mm-hmm. you've just given me and we'll let you go with our blessing. He just didn't do that at all. And if I'm Arsene Wenger, I'm looking at that thinking, well, I had Alexis Sanchez disappear on me for six, seven, eight weeks during the season when the going got tough. Do I want to bring in another player with that sort of flaky character? Now, I know pe- people have done it before. Eden Hazard did it uh, a year ago, didn't he, with Chelsea and then came back, came good again. But I, I, I would be, if I was Arsene Wenger, I would be looking at that very, very cautiously. Do, yeah. we, do we give credence, you, know, you mentioned Bellerin, um, you know, it's floated around for a couple of years, Barcelona's interested in... It seems stronger than ever now. You know, the word is stronger. Have they got a fight to keep him? I think so. I think there's been a change in his mood. I mean, I spoke to him before Christmas and he was very... If he wants to be in Barcelona, I'd be in Barcelona. Arsenal's where I want to be. But he was... He was um, I think he's been a little bit unhappy with the way things have gone at the Emirates, and um, and has spoken up a little bit more. He's, he's the sort of he's developing into uh, a little bit of a voice in the dressing room. And the problem is, if you challenge Wenger, generally you haven't got long. Yeah, he's a bright guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's very bright, very bright, and very determined. But you know, so to, if you speak up against Wenger, then you find yourself um, uh, well, perhaps not first choice. And... He had that episode with the fans as well, didn't he? Which you wonder if it might just have changed his mind when he was getting the blame for he's, he's almost single-handedly mm. getting the blame purely because he was the one closest to where the supporters were right. for uh, all of Arsenal's ills at times uh, this season. But, you know, he's turned down uh, Manchester City a couple of times. I think they've they've made a discreet inquiry and mm-hmm. uh, he's, he said no. So, you know, I, I would expect him to be at Arsenal again next season and, and maybe give it one more year. And I think particularly now we know that Wenger's staying for a couple of years. I don't think there needs to be any rush for him to move on. I think he could have one more year and just see if there is a reaction, uh, see if uh, these players that Arsene Wenger has promised to try to sign at least, if he can bring them in and, and they maybe can win something a little bit uh, higher up the, the football pecking order than the FA Cup. If you look around the Premier League, you've got clubs throwing sackfuls of money at a problem. Tottenham, you always sense, are run a bit differently. You know, they've been linked with the Dortmund defender, uh, German international, um, Matthias Ginzer. Is that the sort of signing that you would expect them to make this summer? Class, a bit of pedigree, but not top dollar. 
I would have hoped they'd have gone for that top, top dollar signing. Because I, I think they've already got, in every position, class and pedigree at the moment. I, I just think they haven't got maybe that one stellar striker or, or maybe one other huge name uh, to come in in the centre of midfield. Now, getting into that centre of midfield, the way Dembele and Wanyama and Deli Ali have been playing would be very difficult. But, uh, yeah, I, I would have hoped for a little bit more for Tottenham, particularly going into what we all know is such a big season for them. They've shown improvement steps of improvement over the last three years and they if they keep improving they're going to win the league and that's why they need that sort of player it's almost I know it's been referred to before as sort of that Cantona signing you know that one that brings the whole this whole young team together and makes makes this young team have that focal point in the dressing room and he's not going to do that I know what you mean Tom but I mean you know, there aren't many Cantonas out there. He was a one-off, and uh, how much was he costing today's market? I mean, I quite like what they're doing. I, mean, I think uh, what they need is three or four players to strengthen the squad, you know, because they're going to be obviously in the Champions League and they're hoping for a better campaign than last year's one, which was a, a little bit disastrous. Um, so, I, you know, I think if they buy judiciously get good quality players... Uh, they do need a second striker. They, they still de- do need to do that, don't get me wrong. You know, they still mm. need an extra couple of mm. players to bring in. Not too many, you know, you know, to upset the harmony of the squad or the balance of the squad. And we think they'll lose Carl Walker anyway. Yeah. So, you know, they are going to need a couple of players. But I just mean that one sort of linchpin player to come mm. in and, and, and yeah, really... I, I, I mean, they could do leadership, couldn't they? From yeah. leadership. Talking of that, it was one of the great sort of games, the parlour games that you have, is looking at a player and saying, will this player be a manager in the future? Now, I always thought for, for a while that Darren Fletcher could be a manager in the making. He's moved to Stoke on a free. Um, is, he, is he of that quality? And do you think that you know, we are looking at a manager of the future there? Oh, yeah, yeah, very bright player, very, very bright fella. You know, um, knows the game, knows what he's talking about. Um, very clever on the pitch. You know, use space really well. You know, um, he, he actually made more of his abilities than you'd expect. He turns himself into a better player than he probably should have been. So I, I think, yeah, that, and Stoke was a perfect place for him to, to develop. You know, I, I could see him going into to coaching as soon as his career is finished and he'd be, I think he'd be very good. Mm. Anyone else? Obviously, Steven Gerrard's being groomed at Liverpool. Mm. What about Frank Lampard at Chelsea? Yeah, you sort of, you know, again, when, when we spend a bit of time talking with these fellas and in the company of these fellas, you do often get a little bit of a feel for it. But sometimes, you know, you can be really quite surprised by the, the, the lads who are sort of in the background. I mean, if you think about Paul Simpson and the success he's had uh, with the under-20s this summer, you know, you wouldn't have thought about him coming through the ranks. Now, you know, think of Lee Johnson um, at Bristol City as well and the way he's developed. So it's not always the superstar players who go on to be the absolute and, top quality managers. And, and Frank and Stephen, they, they thought too much about themselves and their own game. You know, you do fear for it. You know, they want to... They needed that midfield building around them to get the best out of them, and that always bodes badly for me as a you know as a coach and a manager. Mm. What I like about the way Gerard has gone in though with Liverpool, and I do like the way he was speaking while he was out in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, was it Bruce Arena? He was speaking to a lot while he was out there, and uh, at Liverpool he'd gone in. He's not tried to go in as, as Ryan Giggs did mm. with Manchester United and, and want to take the first team straight away. So he is going to go in and clearly has a desire to to learn his trade and learn all about. 
you know, and feed off Jurgen Klopp and, and pick his brain. And I, I you know, I, I still think, and this isn't to say that Frank Lampard wouldn't become mm. or couldn't possibly become a, a good manager because he is a very bright fellow, very good company, mm. knows the game inside out and, and could, I'm sure, go on to have a very distinguished career. But I also look at Frank and think, I, I wonder if he needs the pressure of mm. management because he would be absolutely brilliant sitting in front of TV cameras mm. chatting about the game uh, week in, week mm. out and make a fortune that way. So mm. whether he needs it or not, that's the big question. It does help in management having a benefactor. Now, if, you're, if you've got a benefactor and his name is Roman Abramovich, hey, presto, you get a job. Leonid Slutsky has turned up at Hull, mm -hmm. of all places. Um, how do you think that'll go? Well, um, given Hull's precarious situation and the, the mess in the boardroom, I think it's probably going to go badly. I mean, Slutsky did quite well at uh, CSKA. And, you know, it was took them to the Champions League, took them to knockout praise. Um, but his, his Russia side in the, um, the European Champions last year, if Hodgson wouldn't have been there with England, he, he, he could have gone for the worst manager in the tournament. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I just... Um, it, it looks a strange appointment to me. And it looks... I, I wouldn't be feeling overly confident if I was a Hull fan. Right. And what about a Middlesbrough fan? You know, if you're going to get someone to come in to get your back straight up. Gary Monk fits that bill, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's absolutely right. Um, you know, I think they've, again, you, you look at the uh, craziness that's going on behind the scenes at Hull over the last couple of years, look at Middlesbrough and it's just a sea of tranquility, isn't it, with mm. Steve Gibson. Now, I know they had uh, problems between uh, Ita Karanka and the dressing room in his uh, latter days in the right. job or, or maybe the last sort of year he was uh, in the role because there was the... Strange uh, walkout. There was a walkout, wasn't there, just before uh, they got promotion. But, yeah, I think, I think Gary Monk is a, is a very good fit for them. Um, I don't think he'll be in there making crazy demands, but I think he'll be in there making the sensible but very firm demands that, that he will see required to get Middlesbrough uh, back to the Yeah, I, I think they need to spend better yeah. and they need to make use of the wages better. You know, it's, uh, but I can see Monk doing really well there. He's, um, he did very well at Leeds. I mean, he did, you shouldn't underestimate the job he yeah. did. Oh, in, he, yeah, he, you know, he quite surprised that he, that he didn't stay there. Uh, no, no. Um, I think I think there were two. There were a couple of things going on with it, weren't there? From my understanding, is that he was offered a, a three-year contract, but there was a break clause mm. after twelve months, and then again after twenty-four months. So in effect, it was a, a rolling one-year contract. Which mm. you know, you're a young manager. You're you're clearly uh, sought after. Why would you sign a, a deal like that? Um, it was a bit of a shame that he didn't stay there. Uh, because I, I think had they offered him the, the contract that he wanted or even a couple of years, then uh, I think they could have helped each other grow because there's no doubt that he, he calmed down what was quite a volatile situation. Yeah, he was pretty keen to stay, so mm. it's just um, the, the, the offer was all wrong. Because yeah. someone's going to get hold of that club and they mm. are going to go oh, back up. Yeah, the, 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 um, you know, the person who gets leads right will, you know, I was going to say they'll make millions, but... Uh, yeah. Well, they'll actually do really well in a football sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about uh, Craig Shakespeare? You know, he's, he's now been confirmed, three-year deal. Um, do you think he'll see that three years out? <laughs> I think um, I think it's a tough gig. Um, uh, it depends on the expectations in Leicester, um, and it depends how well they do in the scout and then recruitment area. Uh, I think I suspect that. There'll probably be there'll be demands which are unrealistic 
policed against them, and it wouldn't surprise me. They're, they're going to lose some of the players. You know, Mares will undoubtedly be out of there. Um, you know, there's questions over Verzi plus his age. So they're, they're going to be into a, a big rebuilding phase. Has he got the uh, ability and acumen to do it? Uh, well, the jury's out on that, but I have a nagging suspicion that he hasn't. Mm. It just worries me that they didn't give him the job the day after the season ended. Yeah, you know that that would have been a huge statement that this is the man we believe in. But instead, there was this, oh yeah, we're in talks, we're in talks. Did that suggest to you they were going off someone else? Of course, yeah. Mm. What, what else were they? What else would have taken you? You can't tell me Craig Shakespeare was in there demanding, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, pay structures that were beyond what Leicester City yeah. felt he was worth, and it was just a case of agreeing the personal terms. No, they were clearly having a look for a bigger name manager, um, which would have, of course, appealed far greater to the Asian market um, as other certain clubs in the Midlands have, mm. have shown that they, they like to do. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a decent appointment just maybe for if, if you had another year there and just, you know, calms everything down after mm. that incredible roller coaster that they've been on in the last couple of years. Um, but I, I don't see him seeing out that, uh, that three-year deal at all. Mm. I hope he does. I just don't see it. Can we sort of almost start, let's finish where we started with the, the whole idea of transfer fees, opportunity for young players. The current system, you know, it's the economics of the madhouse. What does that tell you? Does it tell you that this is a football is a business out of control? Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. And that's all you know. It's, um, uh, to, to think that team that finishes bottom of the Premier League gets 92 million, you know, it's, uh, mm. without, you know without even kicking a ball. It's, yeah. it's, and well, Real Madrid got 80 million for winning the Champions League yeah. and, and Sunderland got 90, was it 93.5 or something? Yeah. We heard about Arsene Wenger the other week. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world these days to not be in the Champions League. And that's, that, mm. that, is, that is the madness of the Premier League. Mm. But you do hear talk of the top six wanting a bigger slice of the cake. That sums up the self, natural selfishness of, of professional sport. Of course, yeah. Where are we going with all this? Are there any limits? Where, you know, when are we going to get the £1 million a week player? When are we going to get the first £200 million player? I think probably um, around the time of uh, the, the Qatar World Cup, it will be the first million a week player. That will be not the next television deal, the deal after that. Mm. Probably first million a week player. Could come in the next television deal, but I think that'd be stretching it. But uh, it's not far away. We're, it's only round the corner. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think there is any end to it, Mike. I mean, uh, you know, whatever whatever TV revenues are going up, there there is there's going to be no plateauing wages and transfer fees. And the, the thing is, we're still thinking in terms of traditional media. So we're thinking the Sky, we're thinking the BT, we're mm. thinking of watching through your television. Uh, there's still the likes of Facebook and Google who. Uh, hovering in the background, whether they will actually uh, come in for the, the, you know, sort of make a bid, as, as anyone's guess. But certainly, um, the international rights will outstrip the domestic rights uh, next time round, and the the, um, the 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 cycle gets madder. <laughs> it's depressing, I know, but the rich are simply going to get richer. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.